Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Thank you, Anderson and Lillian. Babies melt my heart. (laughs) Celebrate the new. If you didn't catch it, what was yesterday? The first day of spring. And I I couldn't resist today. I went to my closet, had no idea what I was going to wear, and I saw the dress that I bought for Easter. And I thought, I have to celebrate the new today. I'm celebrating my new dress, and I guess I'll get a new one for Easter. (laughs) I didn't plan that joke. Yesterday marked the first day of spring of the year. What? 2021. And I know that many of us may be thinking, what in the world? Where did spring of 2020 go? It seems like a blur, doesn't it? No. (laughs) You are not sleeping. I'm going to wake you up. I don't know about you, but I am so, so ready for a new season. Are you ready for a new season? In many ways, there's always something so exciting about spring. After the dead of winter, spring is a season that brings a sense of celebration as we look to nature. We see all kinds of new things happening. The air smells different. The sun feels warmer. Plants are budding. New life is springing up. The season of spring brought something new into our home. I was awoken early in the morning with all kinds of sounds coming from the wall behind my head. Now for a moment, I laid in the bed, kind of frozen, in a panic state. I thought we had mice in our wall. Now for some of you, maybe that's not a big deal. But for me, that's like having rats in our wall. But as I listened closer, I heard what sounded like a beautiful orchestra of sweet chirping. I shook Pat, woke him up. Do you hear that? Half awake, he says, yes. Then he proceeded to tell me that the woodpecker who had been visiting our house this past winter had made a hole at the side of the house and then made a nest in the wall. Hence, baby birds, sweet, chirping baby birds. Apparently, Pat already knew that we had these house guests. I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, nothing. We can't evict baby birds. What was I thinking? (laughs) Eventually, they'll get their little wings. They're going to leave the nest, and then we can repair the hole on the side of our house. Actually, Pat will will repair that hole. (laughs) He will be the one up on that ladder. In the meanwhile... 
we are going to enjoy our chirping alarm clock. We should celebrate the new that spring brings. If you can, if you are able, make a point, get outside. Too many people are getting too comfortable staying in slippers. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> oh, I, I want to clap to that. <laughs> this past year, I think many of us have worn out some slippers. I, being one of them, I kid you not, my slippers were so worn out and so full of holes that I could literally see the bottom of my feet. They had reached a point of no return. But you know what? I didn't want to get rid of them. I wanted to hold on to them. Yes, they were old. Yes, they were worn out. But they were so soft. And in the inside was this fluffy Sherpa fleece. Some of you ladies know what Sherpa fleece is. If you're a guy, ask the women around you. It's fleece that looks like lamb's wool. It's comfy. And the slippers were a pretty purple, the color of royalty. It's not the norm for me to want to hold on to old things. I'm one of those people who like to clean out my closets often. And I really like that rule. If you don't wear something in a year, you don't need it. I always have a Salvation Army bag going. So this was really unusual for me. But I was having a hard time parting with these slippers. And of course, I said, it's because of COVID. We hear that a lot. I was not in my normal frame of mind this year. I can remember the day that I was standing over the trash can. I was holding on to my slippers as if I were giving them a funeral. I am totally not kidding. <laughs> I laid my slippers in that trash can and I just stood over that can staring at my slippers in the midst of all the coffee grounds. And I am kind of embarrassed to tell you this, but as I stared at them, I began to wonder, maybe, just maybe, there's a little life left in them. Okay, now this is kind of the pathetic part. I actually reached back into the can, pulled out my slippers, shook off the coffee grounds, held them in my hand, re-examined them, and I finally came to my senses. My slippers are not going to have a Lazarus experience. I had to say a final goodbye to my slippers. I was clearly too attached to my slippers. I spent a lot of time in them, especially this past year. But it's time for me to get some new walking shoes. And I did not know Mr. Rob Susan was going to be saying that today. He was led by the Spirit. <laughs> if we stay in our slippers and continue to live like it's winter, we are going to miss 
the beauty of spring. If you can, get outside, go for a walk, smell the air, listen to the birds, look for new growth, take time to reflect on the miracle of new life. And while you're doing it, imagine that Jesus is walking with you. Be reminded that he is the very essence of new. From the beginning, it was God's plan to send Jesus into this world to do something new. Well before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah spoke of the coming Messiah. Isaiah 42.9 says, See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to do something new. When Jesus came into this world, he brought a new way of living. He brought new hope. He brought new life. Ultimately, he brought the new covenant, righteousness through faith in his redeeming blood. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is salvation to all who believe in him. Jesus did what the old covenant law could never do. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he brought life to a dying world. The new that Jesus brought is something to celebrate. And I want you to say amen. Amen. We celebrate. Today's life app, in case you didn't know, celebrate the new. When Jesus arrived on the scene, it was during a time that we could say was winter-like. Spiritually, it was cold. It was barren. It was depressing. Those who were faithful to God and truly loved God were scarce. And by the time that Jesus was born, it had been 400 years since God had last spoke to his people through the prophets. When Jesus arrived on the scene, what was the state of the Jewish religion? We've heard about that this past month. It was in sorry shape. The religious leaders of the day, specifically the self-righteous Pharisees, had watered down the religion to be nothing more than do's, don'ts, rules, regulations. It was legalism. In order to guard against any possible infringement of the written law given by God, the Pharisees enforced the oral law, which was a bunch of man-made traditions, but they raised those traditions to the level of scripture and it was wrong. These traditions resulted in a code of conduct that was a tremendous burden to the people. And it certainly didn't reflect the heart of God. The Pharisees often criticized Jesus for doing things that were against their way of righteousness, such as healing on the Sabbath or eating with sinners. To the self-righteous Pharisees, Eating with sinners would certainly make them unclean. It would defile them. Their care and their concern was all about ceremonial cleanliness, looking self-righteous, looking righteous, not self-righteous, looking righteous, while 
neglecting purity of heart. Their way of righteousness didn't show love for others or for God. In Matthew 23, 4 and 5, Jesus said this about the Pharisees. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do to be seen by men. In addition to the heavy burdens that the religious leaders had put on the Jewish people, they were also living under the oppressive Roman government, which, by the way, was known for extreme taxation. So remember that when you're filing your taxes this year, be happy that you're not under that government. You get an extra month, too. <laughs> I just read that the other day. We can only imagine how many times the people cried, Messiah, Messiah, when will you come? The Jews were waiting for a Messiah. They were expecting a Messiah, but their vision for the Messiah was off. It was limited to life on this earth. Even though they had the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the suffering humble Messiah, they were looking for the Messiah to come as a powerful earthly king, one who would save them from the oppressive rule of the Roman government and restore their kingdom on earth. But that's so far from the Messiah that God was going to send. He was sending a far better Messiah a Messiah that could save them forever, a Messiah that could forgive their sins and give them eternal life. He was bringing something new and wonderful to all mankind. But many missed him. They didn't look beyond what they wanted in this world. In order to celebrate the new, we need to see new. We need to look beyond this life. We need to set our hearts and our minds on things above. Application, look behind, beyond this temporary world. Jesus was coming to do what no earthly king could ever do. Not all could see it. Not all could appreciate it. But some embraced it. Let's consider when Jesus called Matthew the tax collector to follow him. Now, to give a little background, tax collectors were known to be hated sinners. They were seen as traitors who helped the oppressive Roman government. They were notorious for skimming off the top. Now, they were allowed to collect extra money for their pay, but quite the temptation and often, they collected more than they needed. They oppressed people for their personal gain. They may have been wealthy, but definitely hated, and probably pretty lonely. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sees Matthew in his tax collector booth, knowing everything about Matthew. 
Jesus calls him to follow him. Matthew immediately left his booth and followed Jesus. It's likely that Matthew had already heard about Jesus. Maybe he had uh, witnessed a miracle or two just before Jesus called Matthew. Many had witnessed Jesus heal a paralyzed man in order to show that he had the power to forgive sin, which is the greatest healing of all. Maybe Matthew was at a point in his life in which wealth and riches weren't really worth carrying a heavy burden of sin. When Jesus invited him to follow him, he willingly left his old life behind. He left his tax collector booth, which re represented a life of sin. After Matthew accepts the call, the next thing he does is throws a party. Party sounds really good right about now since we haven't been allowed to do that. Yes, I know some of you did. <laughs> the Gospel of Luke tells us that Matthew threw a great banquet for Jesus. It was common in those days to repay honor for honor. This is a man who had a real heart change, and he appreciates Jesus. Matthew even invited other tax collectors and sinners to the celebration. It appears that he wanted everyone he knew to hear about Jesus. Let's pick up the story from there in Matthew 9, 10 through 17. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And there he is pointing to his death on the cross. No one set, sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. In this passage of scripture, it's obvious that the Pharisees have a real problem with the company that Jesus keeps. They ask Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We can imagine what they're thinking. 
what is wrong with this guy? Doesn't he know that these kind of people will make him unclean? And why, why would he eat with them? In those days, sharing a meal together showed acceptance of people that you dined with. Of course, Jesus would eat with sinners. He clearly states he came for sinners. He said to the Pharisees, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And that's a quote from Hosea 6.6 in this next passage. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Pharisees, lack of mercy for sinners, showed that their hearts were far from God. Jesus wasn't saying that the Pharisees are the healthy. He was saying that the Pharisees don't see themselves as sick. Their self-righteousness blinded them from seeing their spiritual sickness. The sinners understood their need to be well. Isn't Jesus the great physician who heals the disease of sin? Do you know that? <laughs> Isaiah 53 tells us, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The shed blood of Jesus Christ healed the breach between sinful man and a holy God. That is the peace that Isaiah is referring to. All need the forgiveness of Jesus to be whole and to be healed. He is the only way for us to be righteous in the presence of a holy God forever and ever. The Pharisees didn't see themselves as, a, as sinners who needed the forgiveness of a savior. In their eyes, their own righteousness was enough. But is that true? No. We've heard this scripture twice this past month, though I don't have it on the screen. Matthew 5.20, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus and only Jesus is our righteousness. And only Jesus is our entrance into heaven. Amen. Thank you. We must see ourselves as sinners who need the forgiveness of Jesus. He is our righteousness. Application. See yourself as a sinner who needs Jesus. After Jesus explains why he's eating with tax collectors and sinners, then John's disciples ask. I don't know how he ate anything at these banquets. People are asking him all kinds of questions. <laughs> how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn 
while he is with them. One of the reasons that Jews fasted was to symbolize mourning. It would be really bad timing for wedding guests to fast during wedding festivities. Weddings were a time of great joy, a time of great celebration, and of course, lots of food. Jesus is telling them, this is not a time to mourn. This is a time to celebrate. It's a time to be filled with joy. The bridegroom is in their presence. What could be better than that? The Messiah has come, and he's with them. When John the Baptist heard the voice of Jesus, he called Jesus the bridegroom. John was the one who, sent, who was sent by God to prepare the way for the Messiah. We find that in John chapter 3, John's disciples seemed concerned that Jesus was baptizing more people than John was. Let's read John's response to them in John 3, 27 through 29. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, the friend, being John here, who attends the bridegroom, waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. John was full of joy when he heard the voice of Jesus. John's mission on earth wasn't an easy one. He had a tough calling, but he carried it out in faithfulness, in obedience and humility. He lived to point people to Jesus Christ. John was full of joy when he heard the voice of Jesus because his heart was all about Jesus. He had been waiting to hear that voice. He had been hoping to hear that voice. That is a reminder to all of us. There's going to be a day when we all will hear that voice. Every one of us. The voice of Jesus will call us to our eternal destinations. Do you live waiting? Do you live hoping to hear that voice of Jesus? Or is that a day that you're dreading? When you hear the voice of Jesus, will it be morning? Or will you be filled with joy? While we can, Know Jesus as the one who fills you with joy. Application. John was full of joy. The Messiah had finally arrived. He was on the scene doing a new thing. But the day would come when Jesus would go to the cross. 
And Jesus wanted all to know in order to embrace the new thing that he came to do, they could no longer hold on to the old way of doing things. After Jesus calls himself the bridegroom, Jesus gives them two examples that they would understand. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, I would like to say something here. Interesting, but let's remember that this was in the day when rips, tears, holes, and clothes weren't the style. People didn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus would not have given this example today. Jesus is giving us a picture here. The old and the new, they simply don't go together. The new cloth and the new wine represent the new way of Jesus, the way that he was bringing. He was ushering in the new covenant. He came to set sinners free. He could do what the Old Testament law couldn't do, righteousness by faith in his redeeming blood. What he did on the cross was enough for each one of us to be righteous in the eyes of God. But does this mean that our Christian walk ends there? I'm going to wait on you for this one. <laughs> the new way of Jesus requires us to think new, to act new, to live new, to be new. This is how the Apostle Paul put it in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, 22 through 4, 24. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So in Christ Jesus, we are to put off the old way of life. We are to say goodbye to the old sinful ways. We are to think new. We are to act new. We are to be new. Okay. How simple is that, right? Not so simple. We are people who have issues, don't we? How often do we go back to those old habits? Think about it. Those old ways, the things that we know aren't pleasing to the Lord. Things like bitterness, anger, fits of rage, Slander, gossip, sexual immorality, drunkenness, greed, jealousy, idolatry, gluttony, discord, 
selfish ambition, dishonest gain, backbiting, lying, and this list could go on and on. All of these things are in the Bible, and all of these things are displeasing and even detestable to our God. But isn't it true? Some habits die real hard. We can get so comfortable in our old ways that we really don't see how awful they are. We're so used to doing them. And sometimes just the thought of getting rid of those old ways grieves us. It's like holding on to an old pair of slippers that really needed to be thrown in the trash. Those old sinful ways may seem real, real comfy, but they need to be thrown out. If you throw it out and you're tempted to get it back in, out, you throw it back in. And if you do it again, you throw it back in. And if you do it again, you throw it back in. You keep throwing it back in the trash because you know what? Those old habits will get less and less and less and less. But you need to make a decision. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Okay, good. <laughs> if we hold on to them, they are going to hurt our Christian walk and they're going to hurt our witness to others. There's a hurting world out there who needs the forgiveness of a Savior and they're looking to people who call themselves new. If we continue to live in those old ways, our, wit our witness to others is destroyed just like that garment or that old wineskin. It becomes useless. Suppose I took one of my slippers out of the trash and I put it on my left foot and then I put my new walking shoe on my right foot and then I started to walk down my street. What would my neighbors be saying? What kind of walk am I going to have? It's going to be rough. It's going to be clumsy. It's going to be painful. And I'm going to be a disgrace. That's what our Christian walk looks like when we hold on to those old sinful ways, but we profess to be new in Christ. We must be willing to get rid of those things that we have been comfortable with for so, so long. Let's not grieve over getting rid of old sinful ways, but rather let's live in anticipation of the day that we hear the voice of Jesus call our name. Amen? There is going to be that day. It's true. The book of Revelation tells us that there is going to be a day when all that are victorious are going to be clothed in white. And Jesus is going to announce our names before God the Father. I pray 
on the day that Jesus calls your name, on that day that you hear his voice, is going to be a day that fills you with joy. And when Jesus looks at your feet, may he see two new shoes. I've got some new shoes. I'm going to go put them on because these heels I'm done with. (laughs) These are my new walking shoes. And you know what? They match. And you know what? I love about these shoes, although this is going to be a challenge for me. I'm going to have to go over here. (laughs) They have gold rivets on these shoes. They remind me that I am going to one day walk the streets of gold in heaven. And you know what else these shoes have? These shoes have memory foam. I'm going to tell you a little confession here. One of them is missing on one foot. (laughs) But they're supposed to both have memory foam. A reminder. We need to remember that we are new in Jesus Christ. And our lives need to reflect that. Our Christian walk needs to reflect that. We're not going to have a clumsy walk, are we? We're not going to have a painful walk, are we? We are going to have a straight walk to the day we see Jesus Christ in all of his glory and the day that we hear his voice. And that day is going to be the most amazing celebration because we are going to celebrate being new in the presence of the Lord. We're going to be part of a new heaven and a new earth. He is going to make all things new. All the pains of this world are going to be gone. There's going to be no more tears, no more mourning, no more sorrow. He is going to make all things new. Will you be there? Will you be filled with joy? Get rid of that old life. Put that life of sin away. Walk new with Jesus and walk new with him forever. Amen. We can't forget that. Let go of the old, rejoice in the new. Sometimes it's as if we act like it's drudgery. It's awful to get rid of the old. We need to have different vision. We need to see what life is new in Jesus Christ. And we need to see through his eyes. This life is temporary. So many missed him because they were holding on to what they wanted in this life. And isn't that true about sin? It's because we want something. Give it up. 
Let's be like John the Baptist. He gave it all. He gave everything. He was on this earth for one purpose, and that was to serve his Lord and Master. May our joy be complete when we see our Lord face to face. Stand with me. It's time to celebrate. <laughs> I'm going to ask you right now, don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Give your Lord the one that you're going to spend eternity with a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is a celebration. This is, we're going to celebrate the new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are great. There is no other. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There, you make all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Now, didn't that feel good? We're Christians. We're not supposed to walk around like this. We should be like, you know, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the new that you brought. Lord, we thank you for the new and everlasting covenant in your blood. Lord, thank you for the amazing sacrifice that you made for each one of us. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would help us Help us to be people that would exemplify being new in Christ Jesus. God, give us strength. Give us help. God, to put that old sinful ways away. God, in walk, in newness of life. Lord, that we could witness to this world who needs to know you. God, who needs to know the forgiveness of the Savior. God, make our witness strong. Make our witness powerful. God, that people would see us and want to know, why, why are you different? It's because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. God, for every need in this place, you know them well. You are able. You are able. Thank you, Lord loving us so much. May we never forget how much you loved us. You were willing to die for us so that we could be made new forever with you. Amen.